My name is Tamara Gober, and I'd like to personally welcome you to the Hope Community Podcast. Before we begin, if you live in the New York City area and are looking for a church home, I'd like to take this time to invite you to our services. For time and place, check out our website at hopecommunitynyc.com. Again, thanks for listening. We hope you are encouraged by this message, and we truly pray you walk away looking more like Jesus. Where we're going to be today, you guys, like, to, like I told you a second ago, you guys were like, it's Father's Day. We're going to get a Father's Day message. Yes, the Father wrote Galatians through the Holy Spirit, and we're going to read chapter 5, verse 16 through 26 today. So if you guys will turn there, we'll read it, and then we're going to dig in. Um, the this, this scripture today is, is just, it's always practical, but like today is just so practical for us. Uh, and I, love, I loved being able to study through this and uh, for the Lord just to show me. Uh, things through it. And now I get to share that with you guys. So uh, Galatians chapter five, verse 16 through 26, I'll read it. And then uh, we'll kind of get into things. All right. So uh, this is what Paul says here, uh, obviously through the Holy Spirit. He says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into this, okay? Father, we uh, come to you, and God, I just want to pray over myself right now. Lord, I pray that your spirit would uh, just guide me through these scriptures. Lord, uh, I thank you so much for all the things that you have reminded me of and shown me uh, in my preparations, God, and I pray that you would help me to uh, just deliver this um, in a way that is led by your spirit, God, and not by my flesh at all. And so, uh, Father, we just pray for uh, your spirit to move in this place, and God, for you to uh, create us uh, to be more into the image of your son uh, than we are when we walked in here. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here's the big idea between this. Okay. Now, obviously, you know, this does fit right into where we've been talking about in Galatians. Oftentimes it's easy to take this out of the context of what we've been talking about. Um, and then kind of like just making it its own thing and just taking it like it was written directly to us. Obviously, whenever you're doing scripture and you're reading scripture and you're, um, you know, trying to interpret scripture, you always want to think, what was it in like originally intended uh, for the original audience. Like, why was it written to them? So it still very much falls in line uh, with what we've been talking about with the people in Galatia uh, who have been struggling with now keeping the law instead of just following the Holy Spirit. So as we, you guys remember, Paul has just been talking about and talking about and talking about, hey, you do not need the law anymore. You are free from the law. The law had a purpose. It served its purpose. Then grace showed up. I taught you about Jesus. You gave your life to Jesus and you're no longer under the law. But the Galatians, they were some of the people who were into that, you know, uh, the Jews that were converted who lived that life of Judaism. It was so, t it was just such a temptation for them to come back into uh, living in the law again. And so I love this because you got to think about this. They wanted to do right. Like I think about um, the Jewish audience today, right? If you, we have large Jewish population in Brooklyn. You guys see them all the time. They're walking around and I think they're zealous for the Lord. I really do. I don't think that it's fake. I don't think that it's false. I think that they really do love God. And I think that they're zealous for him. I think that they want to follow him. I think that whenever they obey these laws, they're doing it because I know that, I know that ultimately they, they, are hoping that it will bring salvation. Uh, but I think they're doing it because they're like, there is a God. He is bigger than me. I do want to please this God. And I feel like this is the way that we please this God. So I really do feel like whenever Paul, he talks about he was zealous for the Lord. When he's talking to the um, Pharisees, he's like, I know you guys are zealous for the Lord. When he's talking to the Jews, I know you guys are zealous for the Lord. And so whenever he's writing this right here, he still very much knows that there's a people that are zealous for the Lord. They want to follow him. But here's what he's telling them here. 
All right. He's saying, look, I know that you want to follow him, but if you try to follow him in the flesh, you will fail more than you succeed. But if you try to follow him in the spirit, you will be more successful than if you tried to follow him in the flesh, because we oftentimes try to follow him out of our flesh instead of following him out of the spirit leading us and guiding us. So it very much falls into that category. Now let's talk about this for just a second. There is very much a war. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, if you are born again, there is very much a war that's inside of you. I was talking to Anthony about this. I wish he was here. There was, I was talking to Anthony about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I pulled him aside. I was like, man, how are things going? And, uh, and he was like, you know, man, I just, I, I, it's going good. Like things are better. He's like, there's obviously still some things that I'm trying to work on that I just struggle with. And I was like, bro, that's life. And I brought up this verse right here. I said, because now there is going to be, there is always going to be a constant war inside of you between your flesh, which is your old self and the Holy Spirit, which is the new self in you. There's always going to be that war. And don't you ever think that it's not going on. Don't ever lie to yourself and trick yourself into thinking that you're so holy that you don't struggle with sin anymore. Churches are so good. Church people are so good about walking into church and pretending that their holiness is awesome right? They're like, oh, I'm just doing so. How are you, brother? How are you, sister? We're doing good, right? And everyone's like, oh, we're good. Let me tell you about my quiet time. Let me tell you about the Lord, you know, time I spent with the Lord. And we ask questions like, what's the Lord showing you? And then all of a sudden there's this pressure on you, right? And it's like, oh, I better talk about what the Lord's showing me. Well, uh, let's see. The Lord showed me this, this, and because you want to appear spiritual, right? But what about the people who are just like, you know what? I'm struggling right now. Like the Lord isn't showing me a whole lot right now. Like things are a little bit difficult right now, right? Because there's always going to be this war in you. Where are the people that are like, you know what? My quiet time stinks. My personal Bible study stinks right now. I haven't read the Bible in three weeks because I'm a little frustrated about things. And, and you know, there's, and there's always that war that's inside of us. But a lot of times we want to put that front that there's not that war going on inside of us. But we cannot be people who are fake that just walk in and say, oh, there's no war. There's always a war. In fact, there's a war going on in this room right at this very second, that whenever I read the word of God and there are some things that I preach or there's some things that you hear in the word, there's a war going on inside of you that says, oh, that's not true. Or, oh, that is true. Or that hurt a little bit. Or that didn't hurt a little bit. Like there's a war constantly going on inside of us. And it says that they are opposed to one another. So we have that flesh inside of us, that, that old self, right, that we were before we were saved. We all have that inside of us, and it comes out every once in a while, right? In certain circumstances, that flesh shows up, and we're like, get away. Like, I hate that about myself. I hate that about that, that that comes up. And then there's the spiritual side of things. Like, it's when you wake up in the morning, right? And you're, the spiritual side of you is like, uh, all right, it's time to spend some time in the Word. Like, I need to get up. I need to spend some time. And then there's that flesh inside of you that is like, you could really use a little bit more sleep though. You know, you might actually function a little bit better today if you actually got a little more sleep. And so I'm saying like, as soon as that alarm clock goes off, flesh, spirit, you've got this war going on inside of you. And it happens to every single one of us. And it, of course, it happens on smaller scale. It happens on bigger scales. But we have these two opposing sides so that we don't do what we want to do is what it said right there in that scripture. He said, um, he said, uh, you will not go. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So what it is, what is it that a believer wants to do? Well, if you have a brand new heart, you've been giving new desires, then what you want to do is follow Christ. What you want to do is wake up in the morning and you want to do your quiet time. You want to wake up in the morning. You want to spend time with the Lord. Whenever somebody cuts you off in traffic, what you want to do is just assume that they're having a bad day and you want to say, and you want to say a prayer for them, right? But sometimes what happens with the flesh is that's not necessarily the case. So it's, so, so there are things that you want to do. There are reactions that you want to have as a believer, but the flesh says, it, the Bible says that it keeps you from doing the things that you want to do. I'm going to read you um, a scripture from Romans chapter 7. And Paul very much is struggling with this. So in Romans chapter 7, verse 15 through 25, this is a Paul who is, he's talking to the Romans and he's describing to them what it feels like to have that battle between the flesh and the spirit. Now we're talking about Paul, right? I mean, whenever we look at Paul, we're like, man, if I could just be like that guy. Paul was 
was not without his faults. Paul was not without the flesh. We will never be free from that flesh until it's the day that we go home to be with Jesus. Then we will be free from that flesh. But on this side of heaven, we will never be free from it. And so Paul, I love his heart because this guy had a desire to follow the Lord. This guy had a huge desire to follow after Christ. And so here's what he says in chapter 15. And I love it because it kind of gets jumbled in words and he's just following, you got to follow it along. But here's what he says. For I do not understand my own actions is what he says. I don't understand my own actions for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want... It is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And then he, and then he finally, in verse 24, he just comes to this conclusion. He just, that is, God doesn't say in all these words, Right, And then he comes to this and he basically throws his hands in the air and he says, wretched man that I am. He's like, I just keep failing. All I want to do is the good. All I want to do is follow after Christ. All I want to do are the things that God wants me to do, but those are the things that I fail to do. I just continue to do the things that I don't want to do. And he says, wretched man that I am. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says this, and I love this in verse 25, because the Holy Spirit speaks and he remembers. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because that is, he's going to be okay. Like, he's like, man, I hate this. And I hate this battle that I have within me all the time. But thanks be to God that he has saved me from uh, this. And, and, and thanks be to God that he's given us a Holy Spirit so that we can follow after Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is what prompts us to follow. Whenever, it's, it's not a conscience thing, right? It's, a, it's not just knowing right from wrong, right? It's, 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 it's knowing what was wrong. It's knowing what's wrong, but then actually feeling, feeling remorse for doing it, right? So my dog, right? Uh, my dog, like our trash can is just short enough that our dog can get inside of it, right? And, uh, and he walks up to the trash can and he gets a little piece of trash out or whatever. And it happens to be a napkin or something. And then he likes to go under the chair and he likes to shred that sucker. Okay. And then we just like, I walk over to him and I look at him and he looks at me and he's like, oh no. Right. Because he knows that what he did was just wrong. But through my dog, like right then in that moment, is he looking at me and going, I am so sorry. Like, I know that what I've done just now, I can't clean up. Someone's going to have to clean this up, right? And you know what? You're right. This might give me diarrhea and I might, I might end up having to have you clean. Like, there's nothing inside of him that is like remorseful for what he just did. Like, the only thing that's inside of him is like, I'm fixing to get a spanking. Like, I, I'm, this is not going to end well for me. I'm going to have to go to my room. In fact, now he's to the point where if I look at him, I'm like, BJ. He just goes. <laughs> and he just walks straight to his crate. And he gets in there. He lies down. We shut it. And I don't even know what to say anymore. I'm just like, bad dog. Bad. And he's like, I know. But you know what? He's never like, I'll never do it again. No. The next time I see him, he's over at the trash. And he's like. And I'm like, BJ, and he's like, Ugh. and he just kind of, you know, takes off. There's no remorse in that. Man, whenever um, I was a kid, there were, there were things that I would do. I didn't feel remorse for at all. I mean, I'm sure maybe you guys had the same thing. Like pre-salvation, I would just do things. And it was just like, you know, this is what I do. Yeah, I might get in trouble. It doesn't necessarily keep me from doing it again unless I got in so much trouble that I don't want to get in that much trouble again. It's the only thing that kept me from doing it. But there was a point that I got to whenever I was actually saved that I started actually feeling remorse for things. That I actually started feeling conviction for things. That I actually started feeling like David when he says, what have I done? I've sinned against the Lord. 
you know? And, and there were moments in my life where I was just like, I don't want to do this, not because I'm afraid I'm going to get in trouble or not because I'm afraid that God won't love me or not that I've even been afraid that God's going to be disappointed in me or anything. I just don't want to do this anymore because I know it grieves the father. That's the only reason I, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's the difference between following the flesh and the spirit. The spirit doesn't want to grieve the father. And so it leads us to holiness the Spirit leads us to holiness, and so we follow after Christ with everything that we have. But he's saying, and I, and I love what Paul says, he says there's always going to be a struggle, though. But here's our goal in life, okay? Our goal is to follow the Spirit more habitually than we follow our flesh. That's our goal in life. So I know that's great to say out loud, but like how do we practically do that in, then? You know, because I can say that in this room, I can say, look, for all of us in this room that are believers, like we, we, I can, I can pretty much guarantee that all of us, the desire of our heart is to do what God wants us to do. It's the desire of our heart. Not because we're scared of anything, not because we're afraid of anything. It's just because that's the, the new heart that he's placed in us. And it's not really explainable to anybody. Like, it's just that, and I know you guys get it. Like, I know you get it. I know that you're tracking with me. I know that you're in here and going, you're right. Yeah, I can't explain why my desire is that other than he's just given me new desires and placed a new heart within me. But so how do we do that then? Because if you guys are like me, I sure am tired of the struggle. I'm so tired of the struggle. I'm tired of the flesh. I love the spirit and I love it whenever I'm following after the Lord and I'm chasing after the spirit and, and, and walking with the spirit and, and things are going good. But whenever that flesh takes me over and, and I just, you know, you sit in that moment of conviction and you just sit in those moments where you're just like, why, like Paul is here. Why do I just keep doing the things that I don't want to do? Like my desire, my heavy, heavy desire is just to follow after him. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we get better and better about following after him? Here's, here's, here's a hint and a preview of what's to come. You can't do it in your own will. You cannot do it in your own will. You cannot will yourself to follow the spirit more. All right. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that more in just a little bit, but we cannot do that. All right. So have you guys ever wondered why this battle exists in us anyways? Like, why does this have to exist? Like, why do I even give into my flesh ever? If I know that I hate it and I know that I don't want it and I know that what it leads to is, is not joy, it actually leads to the opposite of joy, the opposite of peace, then why does that exist within me? Why do we ever give anything to the flesh anyways? Well, let's talk about it just for a second because here's, here's the reason we give into our flesh sometimes. Both claim to offer happiness, joy, and freedom. Both of them claim that, okay? Your flesh is trying to convince you that it is going to give you whatever it is that you're going to choose will bring happiness, it will bring joy, and it will bring freedom. The spirit inside of you as well says, this will bring happiness, this will bring joy, this will bring freedom. But here's the thing, one is a mirage and one is real. One is just a mirage and one is real. Whenever the, whenever the flesh inside of you tells you, hey, chase after this, all right, and then you get to it and you drink of it, you realize it's only sand. That's all that it is. And then you're going, why did I do that? Why didn't I just follow what I knew the Spirit was leading me to do? And it leaves us with regret. Here's some things that the flesh tries to do. It tries to convince you it is the answer, and it actually testifies against the spirit, all right? The flesh testifies against the spirit. What do I mean? It, the, the flesh tries to convince you that following after the spirit is not safe. It's not fun. It's entrapping. It's outdated. It's legalistic. It's unloving. It's not true, and it's threatening, and that it's against you. That's what the flesh is trying to convince you about the spirit. It's trying to tell you, hey, it's not safe to do that. Hey, you want to, that sounds crazy. You want to go after that? You want to you wanna follow that in your life? Where, where's the comfort in that? Where's the stability in that? That's going to sound like that's your flesh going, that's your flesh testifying against the spirit. And that's what I'm talking about, this battle. Hey, that's not fun. I got to do this? Like, this is, this is what the Lord wants me to do? Well, surely that's not technically what he wants me to do. That doesn't seem very loving. That doesn't seem very fun. And so it testifies against the spirit, right? Uh, legalism, things like that. Like, there's, there's nothing wrong. 
There is nothing wrong, like we've t- we talked about legalism a couple of weeks ago, um, and there's nothing wrong with following after Christ and setting up boundaries to do so, right? But the flesh will tell you, hey, that's legalism. Like, what are you saying you're committing to not watch certain movies? That's legalism, right? No, it's not. It's wisdom, all right? You know what you struggle with. You know the things that are going to lead you down a path that is not where the Lord is. So if you, ch- if you put up safeguards, that's not legalism. That's wise. That's what we have to do, right? So the, the, the spirit, I mean, the, uh, the flesh testifies against the spirit. And we've got to be very, very, very careful. The spirit says, all right, free yourself from the burden. Oh, wait, no, no, let me back up. Hold up. Your flesh says, put your confidence, trust, and understanding in yourself. That's what your flesh is saying. The spirit says, free yourself from the burden of putting your confidence, trust, and understanding in yourself. It's a burden to have all of that on top of you. It's a burden, right? One thing we're saved from, I love this, because God saves us, right, from things to something else. And so the big obvious one is like, God saves us from hell to heaven, right? And that's the one that everybody seems to focus on the most. There are so many more things that God frees us from and saves us to, all right? And and one big one that I actually love is that God saves us from being our own God. He saves us from being our own God. You're like, what do you mean by that? I've never met anybody... You know, and I walked up to them and I was just like, so what are your thoughts on God? And they said, well, I think I'm God. Like that, that just has never happened before. All right. Um, but, but without saying it, there are people who actually live that though. They live like they are. No one says they are God, but if you are in authority and you are in submission to no one but yourself, you are acting as God. If there's no other authority that is greater than you and you are in, no, in submission to nothing else, besides yourself, then you are acting as God. And let me just tell you something. That is a yoke that you cannot carry. You cannot bear that. And people try, and I don't know why they try to do it. But think about this for a second. If you are God, if you are the ultimate authority, if you are the ultimate say-so, okay, and you're the one that, then you're the one that needs to figure everything out. You're the one that has to figure everything out. That's just all there is to it. You're responsible for figuring out suffering, you have to figure that out. Why does it exist? You, what do you do with it? Like there, if you're the authority, then you have the responsibility to figure that out for yourself. Why does loss happen? Why does death happen? What's the meaning of life? What are, what are all of these things? If you are God and, and there is no higher authority, then you have to figure these things out. And let me tell you what it leads to. It leads to confusion. It leads to chaos. It leads to bitterness. And it leads to misunderstanding. And that's why there are so many, that's why things can't be agreed on in the world. Because people are their own gods. They're trying to figure things out for themselves. And they've placed this this burden on themselves that they can't carry. And so they walk around and they're miserable. They're devastated by things that happen because they cannot figure out why it is that it's happening. What is, what do I do with this? How do I deal with this? How do I, how do I navigate through whatever it is that has been placed on you. But here's the thing. You've been saved from being your own God, and you've been freed to rest in the God. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, does that make the hard things easier? Not necessarily, but we don't have to have all the answers. When you're God, you have to have all the answers for everything. But he saved us from that. He's saying, hey, let me be God. Let me take all this on. Let me give you the answers. And yeah, they may be difficult. It, stay, it still may be hard, but, but trust me. Like I've, I created it all, right? And again, we talked a couple of weeks ago that we're also saved from uh, living by a fear-based behavioral modifications. We talked about that. Um, and, we're, and we're freed to love motivated living. Because remember, we talked about how fear-based um, behavioral modifications, right? So like we, we, we modify our behavior because we're afraid that God won't love us. Uh, we're, bef- we're afraid that, that God will punish us for whatever it is. Like that's not how he's freed us to live. He's freed us to live, remember we talked about, to a life of being motivated by love. I love my wife, right? Love my wife. And here's the thing though. 
if I were to go into the kitchen and I were to like start doing the dishes because I was afraid she's going to beat me, then I'm not going to be going, I love doing the dishes. Man, I'm going to be doing the dishes because I'm like, I'm scared of my wife, right? That's what it's going to be more of, right? That's, that is no way to live. Like who enjoys living in fear? Who enjoys doing things because you're afraid something's going to happen, right? Now, now, if I am like, man, I love my wife. You know what? I don't want her to even look at those dishes in the sink. I don't want her to look at the dishes in the dishwasher. I don't want her to think about any of that stuff. You know what I'm going to do? While she's out getting her nails done, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to do the dishes. You know what I do? I pop on some music and I'm like, I love doing the dishes. Why? Because I'm motivated by love and I'm not motivated by fear. And that right there makes all the difference in the world, all right? Love as a motivation makes any action enjoyable. It makes it joyful whenever love's our motivator for that. And that's how God has intended for us to live. Look, he's not saying, look, be afraid of me and do these things because if you don't, then this will happen. He's saying, no, hey, I love you. I've saved you. You're my child. And you know what that causes us to do? Walk around and go, I love being obedient. I love following the Lord. I love chasing after him. I love following the spirit. That is such a greater motivator. Love is such a greater motivator than fear. And that's how he wants us to live, right? Flesh says God's love is dependent on you. Spirit says God's love for you is the same on your best day and on your worst day. So how do we keep from gratifying the desires of the flesh? How do we do that? How can we live in a way, because how, how can we live in a way where we don't, where we don't have all these regrets all the time and we don't, we, don't have, we don't feel like a failure all the time whenever we mess up again and again and again and again and we just continue to mess up? How do we, how do we change that from going, I'm going to do it this time to then just, to, to, to just not doing it? Like, how do we do that? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked. We're going to talk about it. Here we go. All right, so. I've never met anyone who wants to grow in the flesh and become less like the fruits of the Spirit. You guys ever met anyone like that? I've never met anybody, like, what are these, what are these, what the scripture says right here. It says, I've never met anybody that is like, you know what, man, if I could just, like, have more enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions, like, if I could have more of those things. I've never met anyone that is like, I want, I'm going to chase after that. I've only met people who are like, hey, you know what? If I could just have more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If I could just have more of those things, right? So he gives us how to do it. Verse 16, he says, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's the key. Walk by the spirit. So let's break it down for just a second. What does that mean? Well, that Greek word there is peripateo. Everybody say peripateo. Good job. You may not remember that. It was a potato. Like, I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, so here's what that word means. That peripateo right there is walk, okay? That's what he's saying. He's saying peripateo by the Spirit. What that means, it's a continuous action. It's a habitual lifestyle, okay? <clears throat> a continuous action, a habitual lifestyle. This is so cool. So when Aristotle was around, and, uh, and, and he taught, I don't know if you guys remember this in school, but his, his favorite way of teaching was to walk and teach. So all of his followers, all the followers of Aristotle were known as peripatetics. All right. So that's what they were called because it's based off of that word peripateo right there. They were called peripatetics because what does that word mean? It means, it means to follow after. It means to habitually follow as a lifestyle. So here's the picture that we get in our heads. You see Aristotle walking around and you see all of his, his followers walking around behind him and following him in every facet of life and learning from him, learning how he lives, learning from his teaching, all of those things. He's just following, they're just following him around. That is how we are to follow the Spirit. That is how we are to walk in the Spirit. Spirit goes here, we go there. Spirit says go here, we go there. If the Lord's at work here, we go there. We follow after him. Whenever we get into our word, we're following after the Spirit. We are walking in the Spirit. Whenever we're confronted with a situation, there's going to be that moment 
moment in you where the spirit is saying, hey, this is the direction you need to go. Your flesh is saying, this is the direction you need to go. Following in step with the spirit is then following the spirit into that and walking after him and make and, and making it a habitual lifestyle in us, a continuous action. So to walk by the spirit means to just follow him around. That's what we do. That's how we walk in the spirit. And then he goes on, and then he goes on in verse 19, and he says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, right? Dun, dun, dun. So he's fixing to give us, he's fixing to give us a whole list of, of, of and it's not an exhaustive list of what the flesh looks like, right? Because he wants them to know. He's like, look, I really don't even have to say this. Like it's evident that what the works of the flesh are, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and throw some things out there for you. Uh, that way you can at least know what I'm talking about, right? Now this isn't exhaustive uh, in any way. And this is not a sermon about these following sins. So we're not going to go through and we're not going to look at each and every one of them and we're not going to just like break them down and, and be like, and this is what this is because I know us, I know that we like to live in technicalities, right? And so it's like, well, is this technically a sin? Look, that's not how we should live our lives, all right? Nobody ever says, nobody ever says, hey, there's a bomb over there and somebody goes, let me go see how close I can get to it before I get hurt, right? Nobody does that, right? That's not what we're talking about. The way that we live is we, we, we say, how far? I just need to get as far away from it as I possibly can. All right, so he's going to throw some things out right here. And, uh, and so I'm not going to give you a sermon about these following sins. Um, because, and, and again, it's not exhaustive because at the end of this, he says things like these, right? So this is more categorical. All right, whenever we talk about these sins, they're more categorical. So you're going to notice some words in there that seem really similar. That's because they are really similar. If I'm walking up to you and I'm like, oh, man, my kids are fighting, they're arguing, they're bickering. Those pretty much all mean the same thing, right? I mean, they do have some differences in them, right? That's basically what he's doing here. I'm just trying to get across the point that they're not getting along. And, uh, and he's trying to get across the point that, hey, sins like these, these are evidence of people who don't know Christ. And, uh, and actually, this is what the flesh produces. So we talked about the fruit that we are going to talk about, the fruit that the Spirit produces. This is, this is what the flesh produces. And it once produced in every single one of us and still tries to produce in us at times, okay? Um, so the first category of sins uh, is, is sexual sin, all right? And they include this, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality, all right? I was worried if there, weren't gonna be, if there were going to be kids in here. Um, but there's not. So let's talk about sex. I'm just kidding. We're not going to really get like into it, into it, but, um, but, but why that's the first on the list, man. You know what? If I could say anything about our world, man, we have become sexually perverted. Like our world just loves to take this gift that God has bestowed upon his creation and pervert it and use it in ways that it was never intended to be used. Right. I mean, let's get this straight. First of all, first of all, sex should never be something that's uncomfortable to talk about. It's a gift from the Lord. All right. It's definitely not something that should not be talked about in churches or anything like that. Like, th in fact, let, this is where we should be talking about these things. Right. So it's not like God created sex. Like this is something that he created. And, he, and, and I love God. I love God because he's such a good gift giver. He's an incredible gift giver. And he's like, hey, guys, sex. Right. And then all of a sudden his people are like, amen. This is great. But then what happens? We, all these, oftentimes what happens with these gifts that he gives us, we take them and we just pervert them. And that's what we, that's what we see happening a lot in our culture today. And that's unfortunate because it's such a blessing. And, and whenever it's used in the right way, it is such a blessing, right? Just such a blessing. But whenever it's used in the wrong way, it can cause so much damage. You guys know what I'm talking about. I mean, you guys have probably seen it in lives. You maybe have seen it in your own life. Like, I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. And so he lists this right here at the, at the beginning. The sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, they all basically mean the same thing. But that word sexually, sexual immorality, and maybe you know this or not, but that Greek word right there is pornea. Guess what word comes from that? You don't know, I'm going to say it out loud. Pornography, right? Yeah, that's the word that comes from that. That's where we get that word is sexual immorality. Isn't that so interesting that we call it what it is, right? It's like, oh, hey, this is pornography. This is, in other words, this is sexual immorality. Wow. We, I mean, let's just boldface call it what it is, right? I mean, that's what it is. Um, and so I would describe this as operating sexually in any way outside of how God intends, um, and like I said, it all, it, all of these basically, all three of those basically involve taking a beautiful gift that God has given to mankind and using it in a way that is not intended by him. 
and taking the purity of sex and turning it sinful. The next category that he uses right there is religion of the flesh. All right, so that's the next um, uh, two words right there. That includes idolatry and sorcery, okay? Uh, so basically, he's describing setting something up as God that is not God, all right? And, uh, and, and, and putting your faith and trust in anything that isn't God. That's what he's talking about. From like silly superstitions, right? I'm going to wear the same stinky socks every single game because I think that that's going to bring me luck and that's what's going to win us the game. Oh, okay, well, like that's silly, right? But we know ultimately that superstitions aren't real, right? Can we all say that out loud? Like superstitions aren't, okay, all right, cool. Uh, is that superstitious to say that out loud? Is that bad luck? Um, no, like, like it's so funny because I remember whenever I was a kid and I was like first saved, like I was like, you know, I guess I wasn't so much a kid. I was, wow, I was kind of an adult. I'm weird. But anyways, like I, I remember being like, oh yeah, there's a ladder. I'm going to go walk under that ladder. You know why? Because my trust is in the Lord. Right? Yeah. It's like, oh, a mirror, break it. <sighs> Swallow my gum. Yes, I will. Thank you very much, black cat. Please go right on in front of me. Right? Because I was just like all the time, like, this is the Lord. Like, I mean, you know, it's so funny. Uh, and guess what? Nothing bad ever happened with those things. Um, and that's just a silly, you know, example. But it goes from that to like false gods to witchcraft. He straight up, he straight up calls out witchcraft here. Sorcery. Guys, if you don't think that exists in our world, it very much exists in our world. All right. I had friends in high school that were Wiccan. I had friends in high school that were like calling upon and, and like having these seances and like doing all of these things. And, and I didn't, I mean, I was just kind of like, okay, you guys have fun over there. Um, I'm going to be over here. Praise the Lord, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but this stuff really happens. And, and what it is, is they're just play, they're saying, I will, I will try anything to get my will done or, or to get what I want done apart from God. That's basically what that means, all right? So that's what he's categorizing right there. Religion of the flesh, idolatry, sorcery. The next category is attitudes of the flesh. So he says enmity, which just means hatred. Strife, which is angry or bitter disagreement. Jealousy, which is resentment against someone for something that they have. Jealousy can be a good thing. The Lord is jealous. It can be a good thing, but it also can be a very bad thing. We talked about that last week. Whenever we live, or not last week, but a couple of weeks ago, whenever we live by the law, we end up being jealous of other people because we're all trying to gain affection from dad. That, like it, whoever has the most, right? That's what we try to do. We try to say, oh, well, I, I'm going to do this because I'll have more affection or somebody, you know, and, and so we don't end up like celebrating other people's accomplishments. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Whenever people have these accomplishments and they're growing in Christ, we don't look at them and go, yeah, we're threatened by that. We're threatened by them because we're living in a, by, by a mentality of the law. We're not living by a mentality, a mentality of being free. We don't celebrate other people's accomplishments, right? Whenever somebody fails, we talked about it. Somebody fails. We look at them and we go, oh, good. Wow. Okay. That makes me feel better about myself. No. What are we doing? We're not competing for affection. We're not doing that. That's not what we're doing. We're, we're, we're together in this. We're for each other in this, right? So jealousy is actually a work of the flesh. It's a work of the flesh. Okay. Um, so, and of course, uh, He's talking about, um, you know, those attitudes of the flesh, enmity, strife, jealousy. Those attitudes manifest into actions of these next things, which are fits of anger, right? Those are just outbursts of anger. That's of the flesh. Rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. You guys can see in those words the division that those things bring. You can see, you can see in those words the selfishness and the selfish motives that come behind those things, right? Those are all evident evidence of the flesh. Then the final category is addiction. All right. Addiction. He says drunkenness and orgies. And I know whenever I read that, you guys were like, please, let's not have to break that down. Right. But here's the thing. You're like, why isn't orgies up there with sexual immorality? Like, why isn't that up there with sexual? Well, it's because it belongs right here with drunkenness. Because he's not talking about it in a way of sexual immorality. He's talking it, about it as in a way of unrestrained indulgence. That's what he's talking about. That's why he categorizes it right here. It actually belongs right there with drunkenness. Basically, these describe giving yourself over to something in order to feel free, just a moment of peace, joy, and patience, and happiness. Just a moment of it, right? You guys, you guys know people that are just like, if I could just feel just for a little while, just a happiness. If I could just feel just peace, just for a little while. And so they go after these things and they, they involve themselves in, I mean, you know, you know, I've never met a person uh, who is an alcoholic because it's fun. 
You know, whenever I talk to somebody who's an alcoholic, it's usually because they're trying to numb something, numb some kind of pain. And so they just want to give themselves into some passion, some, some thing in order just to feel just a little bit of peace, just a little bit of release uh, from the world. Um, and instead of receiving joy from, from your status as a child of God or from the knowledge that your eternity is secure, instead of remembering God's goodness and faithfulness, you take control in hopes that it will bring you fullness of life rather than Christ. That's why he's saying these are the things of the flesh. And there are many other things Paul could have added to these. Um, and he says, you know, things like these in that scripture. Um, and then he says in verse 21b, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, one thing that we need to talk about because translations get a little bit weird. He's not saying, look, if you, if you do any of these, you are not going to make it to heaven, right? What he literally means right here is living this as a lifestyle. Like if this defines your lifestyle, if these things that he just read, like he just listed out, if those define you as a person and you identify with those things, he's like, then beware because you will not inherit the kingdom of God because that is not indicative of a child of God. Because the spirit produces something completely opposite to those things, all right? And so if somebody's reading that and they're like, ah, he just pretty much called me out on everything. Hey, that's not something to celebrate. That's something to be like, oh, snap. You probably should think about this for just a little bit, okay? Um, does it mean that we don't mess up, right? I mean, we do mess up, okay? So like if you mess up on like one of these things, right? And, uh, and all of a sudden you have an outburst of anger, just realize that there's a, a battle between your flesh and spirit in yourself. All right. Just realize that that's there. And if you, if you have an outburst of anger and you walk away going, Lord, why, why did I mess up? Why did I do that? That's okay. You're in good company because we all struggle with those things. You, it's not saying you won't be perfect. You didn't just lose your salvation. All right. We talked about that on Wednesday night. You can't lose it. All right. So um, he's talking about living as a lifestyle. In verse 22 it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all right? If you notice, and you kind of put those side by side, he basically just said everything that's opposite to everything that he just said, all right? Everything that's opposite, all right? And we don't need to go into a lot of detail about what these mean. Uh, we can all pretty much grasp them, all right? We understand what love is. We understand what joy is. We understand what peace is. We understand what patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all things that we go, oh, if I could just be more like that. If I could just have more of that. Like we didn't read these things before and everybody was like, ah, oh, if I could be more like that, right? But these we read and we're just like, man, if I could just reach that, right? So a few things, all right? Number one, notice that fruit is not fruits of the spirit. It's singular, all right? Uh, it's not a grammar thing, right? Um, it doesn't say fruits, as in there, there are many fruits uh, the Holy Spirit produces at, a, at salvation. When you are in dwell with the Holy Spirit, you might get some, you might not get others, right? That's not what I'm saying. But maybe down the line, these others will be produced in you. No, at salvation, you get the fruit of the Spirit, all right? So the Holy Spirit produces fruits. And whenever the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, those fruits will, those fruit will be produced in you as well. Okay. So whenever you like, there's not anybody running around going, yeah, whenever I was saved, I got some love, joy, peace, patience, but I didn't get much kindness. I didn't get much faithfulness. I didn't get much self-control. Like, I don't even know if I got any of it. No, no. Whenever you were saved, you got all of them. All right. To a certain degree. Now, yeah, we mess up every once in a while on things, but you didn't just get a few. All right. And by the way, I love this because whenever it says fruit and not fruits, it clumps them all together because you're, whenever you're growing in one, you're not just growing in one, you're growing in all. Like think about it for just a second. If you are growing in love, you are growing in joy and you are growing in peace and you are growing in patience, right? If you are growing in patience, you're growing in love. You're growing in peace. And you'll hear people say all the time, you know, I'm good at kindness, but I'm not real good with patience right? I got kindness. It's not real good at patience. Last I checked, love is patient. Love is kind. All right? So I'm sorry, but if you aren't good with patience, you aren't as good with kindness as you think you are. Uh, because all of those things are interlocked. All of those things are interwoven. Okay? So these are the things that are being produced in us. Uh, and then number three, these are all fruit of the Spirit uh, and not fruit of your own accomplishment. We got to hear that. I needed to hear that 
I don't know about you guys, but I needed to hear that because there are often times whenever I'm like, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think about those things and I'm like, man, I'm failing. Like I'm not doing such a good job. Then I'll tell myself, okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. Like I can do this. I'm going to do this. Right? And so then you start to, you start to try to produce the fruit of the spirit yourself, but the fruits of you is the flesh. All right. The fruit of the spirit is the spirit. So the only way that you're ever going to get better at, at following the, at, at developing the fruit of the spirit is directly coincided, directly relates to your union with Christ, directly relates to your relationship with the Lord. All right. It's nothing that you can produce in yourself. Whenever you're struggling with patience, all right. And you're like, I'm struggling. God, bring me some things in my life so I can work on patience. Well, if you're trying to do it on your own, whenever he brings you some things that you need to be patient with, you're not going to do a very good job. You're just going to find yourself failing again. And then you're going to be like, why do I keep failing? Right? It, it, if you try to do it yourself, you're going to fail. All right? These fruit grow in our lives as you walk with the Spirit and are in close relationship with the Lord. That's the only way these things are going to grow. So if you want to get better at love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and you want to get less better at all of these things that we described in the flesh, then all you need to do is look at your walk with the Lord. Because if you are struggling with the things of the flesh, then I can guarantee your walk with the Lord isn't going so hot. I can say that boldly because I know that to be true. But I can say that if you're in a season where you're like, man, God is really doing a work in me, like love, joy, peace, like, man, all these things are happening. I'm just going in stride, like things are going really good. Like, then I'll bet your walk with the Lord is going well. I'll bet it is. Now, I could always be better, right? It's never perfect. We can always be, these things can always be producing us more. But if you want to habitually follow the spirit more than you follow the flesh, then it directly coincides with your walk with the Lord. All right? So always remember that. And then in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So following the Spirit is a lifestyle. Walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living in the Spirit, and keeping in step with the Spirit is a part of everyday life. It's a part of everyday life. Here's what our culture has done. Our culture, the culture that we live in right now, it tells us, hey, Christian, that's cool. If you want to be a Christian, be a Christian. That's fine. But save that for Sundays. Save that for your own time. Like, don't bring that around here. Like, that's not how we act in public, Christian. Okay? So go ahead and, I mean, like, be a Christian. That's fine. But just keep it to yourself. All right? And so what happens, right? What happens in our lives is we allow the culture to shape Christianity. And what it's done is it's it's made a lot of really good churchgoers but it has made some really crummy Christ followers. All right? And that's what our culture has done. And so we see a lot of people, they're good churchgoers, man. They show up, they're there, like they do the church thing. They give the high fives, praise the Lord's, and then they're out the door. But as far as a Christ follower, it doesn't necessarily exist. So if you want to live by the Spirit, if you want to follow the Spirit as a lifestyle, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, living in the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit, it's a part of your everyday life. So don't think that you can just show up on Wednesdays. Don't think that you can just show up on Sundays. Don't think that you can just turn up the radio in your car on occasion and bump up the Christian music and like have a worship time and then expect yourself to be able to habitually follow the Spirit. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than that. And uh, I had a pastor one time that says, if the only time you're being fed on Sundays is, is, is on Sunday, then you're starving yourself because you have got to feed on the word. You've got to spend time in fellowship with God. And then you will start to see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control be manifested in your life more and more and more and more. All right. All right, cool. Um, so, you know what? I'm going to read this last scripture because I love this scripture. It says in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know where the enemy holds us captive a lot? It's in our brains. You know, whenever we start, you know where kind of, you know, 
the, the, the production of the things of the flesh, they, where, why they come out is because it, it, it's our brains. It's what's going on in our mind. It's what we're filling our mind with and things like that. We cannot dwell on the things of the world. We have to dwell on what is good, what is right, and all of those things. I had a guy one time, and I'll end with this story. I say that out loud so that you guys are like, is he wrapping it up? Yes. Um, so he, he came and he came to our church and stuff. And one of the questions was, one of the guys kind of cornered him, you know, off to the side. And he was like, man, you know, the, the place I struggle so much is in like lust, like just my thought life, like just these not good thoughts that I have. And, um, and you know, he was like, how do I, like, how do I take that captive? Like, I mean, like, I want, it's, it's basically his, his Paul moment where he's like, the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. Like, it was lust for him in his life. And, um, and I love the answer that uh, the guy gave. He said, if you're filling your mind with the things that are good, then the things that are bad don't have a place. They can't find a place to get in, right? Uh, and he used this example. And I, you may have heard me use this before. But he used this example, and I thought it was really good. Um, and I think actually, Autumn, I think, I think you brought it up the other day, but, uh, but it's so, so good. So, so everybody in the room, I want you, um, uh, right now to, um, not think about a pink elephant. How'd that go? Everybody think about a pink elephant? Yeah. Cause I just put that thought in your mind. So everybody's like, oh snap, pink elephant. Shoot. Think about a pink elephant. All right. Uh, and, but here's the thing. Now I want you guys to think about this just for a second. I want you guys to picture a cat in your mind. All right. I want you to picture that cat is black. I want you to picture that that cat has a little bit of white on the edge of its nose. I want you to picture that it has a little bit of white on the edge of its tail. Okay. Now, how many of you guys were thinking about a pink elephant while I was talking about the cat? No one. You know why? Because all you were thinking about was the cat. The thing that you didn't want to think about, you weren't thinking about. The thing I told you not to think about, you weren't thinking about because you were filling your mind with something else. So if we will fill our mind on the things that are good, worthy, praiseworthy, excellent, all the things that we just read in that scripture, then we won't be thinking about the pink elephant, whatever that pink elephant is, all right? That battle that's in our mind. Now listen, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, all right? So it doesn't mean that, you know, that, that it, it's not going to take some self-control. Um, now, you cannot produce the Spirit. You cannot produce the fruits of the Spirit on your own, okay? You cannot produce them in your life. So I'm not saying like self-control ends up producing those things. But as a believer, we, we do have to be disciplined in our lives. We do have to set up some discipline areas in our lives, all right? So if you know that a certain thing is going to send you down a path, if you know that your Spotify playlist, there's a specific one that's going to send you down a path that you don't necessarily need to go down, then don't go down it. All right? Set up some disciplines in your life. It's okay to set up a discipline of prayer. All right? It's okay to set up a discipline of reading your Bible. It's okay to set up disciplines and safeguards. And again, we're not talking about legalism. We're talking about wisdom and setting up these things in our lives so that we have more of the fruits of the Spirit being played out in our lives than the flesh. All right? So whatever that is for your life, that's for you um, and, and, and for you to figure out. You know what it takes in your own life, but we've got to set up those things. Um, and uh, and we, will be, uh, we will be more successful at carrying out um, the fruits that God wants us to do. And, uh, and yeah, so good word. Yeah, it was for me. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, please visit our website at hopecommunitynyc.com.